Hey there, Sean. Hey, Pierce. How's it going? It's pretty okay. All right. That means it's time for another episode of the It's Pretty Okay podcast. Let's do it. Let's start the show. we all doing you know i think that's the, the new way we start this podcast now uh it's really the new way we start any conversation now it's just you know you okay um <laughs> it's it's become it's become a, a key part of the lexicon it's become it's the 2020 version of what uh wow I don't know if it's become that because nothing was ever that fortunately for for me but uh <laughs> I don't know. I think that right now it's it's important to have some habits that that keep you going, keep you sane. And one of mine that always has been is is making coffee like very first thing in the morning before I brush my teeth cuz I personally don't think you want to taint your your coffee tasting with with toothpaste in your mouth. And so on uh, I guess Saturday I went to uh go uh, grind the coffee cuz I have a pretty nice coffee grinder because it's a habit cuz it's a thing I do every morning. And I go to turn on my fairly nice coffee grinder, and uh, it doesn't turn on. And uh, I jiggle with it a little bit, and uh, it sort of turns on. And now is in a UPS box on its way to Bellevue, Washington. Oh. Which is, yeah. Uh, Kevin, where is Bellevue, since you're a Washington expert? Washington State, that is. Uh, It's next to Seattle, so it's across the the water. uh, So, so, so... There, there are two places in, in Washington State. There is close to Seattle, and there is Spokane. That's that's it. There, Those are the two places. Um, but, yeah, so it's on the way there uh, because they, for a fee, they will repair the item. And uh, I feel, I, I you know, I, I brought up a topic with you all today because I, I kind of felt some... Uh, like I was failing as as a as a human, as a curious human, because their website was very much like repair, don't replace, um, DIY. It had PDFs and videos of how to replace things and tinker with it, and I was able to look through, and it was very rewarding. But I realized that I am not much of a tinkerer, and you know, I think the three of you are all much more curious and adept in that regard, and I also think it's. It's like a very American thing. So have I failed here? What? No. No? No. Well, should you I mean, failed. I feel like I should I should be able to to mend things, to, to fix things, to go in the kitchen and replace this or that. I feel like that is a an American archetype in some ways that, you, that maybe I don't have. Do you also feel like you're going to be a failure if quarantine ends and you haven't learned two more languages and written a book like no it it depends which uh coastal elite newspaper i'm reading but maybe (laughs) i i think with it's like um many things have become with as products have kind of become uh, more specialized it's you don't get the value of it out of any you know financial thing it's more of if you find it fun then Mm -hmm. It's cool to do. Like the fun it, is the activity. It's not the fixing it. Interesting. If that makes any sense. 
Well, and it's interesting you say that, Kevin, because I think you are uh, you are very conscious of the value of things in a way that that I am not always as good about it. And sometimes you 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 set me straight there. But you know, with tinkering, is that something you know you don't think about that? You're thinking about enjoyment, not like oh, if I fix this, it's cheaper than replacing it. For uh, for a lot of things, I think that that is is definitely the way to look at it. Uh, if there's there's kind of a couple of things for one, it's getting enjoyment out of fixing something mm-hmm. Two, it's if you, there's a high like entry cost sometimes. So sometimes the first thing costs a lot to fix, but if you find, if you think that you are going to then DIY like a hundred things thereafter, then, you know, the, the, the price might start to average out, but mm-hmm. just like from a pure financial thing in our lives right now where we're kind of moving into different apartments with high frequency and have to like move stuff and get rid of stuff. It just, it only really makes sense, especially for something as small as a, a coffee grinder to, it only makes sense if you find it fun to do that. It, it sounds like for the cost there, you're talking about the the tools you would presumably need to fix something. Is that what you mean by moving things yeah, around? Because he... your knowledge is going to stay with you. Yeah, but yeah, tools mainly because Frequently, when it comes to small parts of things, you have to—you don't just go and buy one screw. You have to—you buy like a whole pack of them. I think, I think you... you just need WD forty and duct tape to fix everything, right? <laughs> well, yeah. it, it, you, know, you know, Max, I think it's interesting. Kevin was talking about moving around a lot, and and you have actually said before that in a in a in maybe a different world or a future world, something like being a a landlord, but a very very nice one and a thoughtful one, I should add. Uh, appeals to you and part of that is going to involve and you've mentioned it before like if something breaks if a dishwasher breaks being able to be the person who assesses it and, and maybe fixes it is that is that part of the appeal to you or you just you um, just want to you know you know be collecting checks at the end of the month for people yeah, we, well those are two different things i think <laughs> if i if i owned a property that i lived in i would be excited to have projects around the house for my own home Mm-hmm. Um, whether that's fixing things or improving things. If I was a landlord, I would probably leave that to the professionals for a variety of reasons, mainly that uh, unless it was something that I was a professional in, my tenants would deserve a professional repair. Um, I wouldn't mind getting my hands a little dirty looking into their problems, but I, I don't think that I, when it's an investment like that, I wouldn't be in the business of, you know, tinkering with their oven because it's not working <laughs> yeah, those are people's that's another person's home i mean i yeah. don't respect that right i you know and you mentioned expertise there and, and i think that is so ultimately i sent this back i was able to take a lot of things apart and assess um but i like didn't have basically the thing that checks if if the uh, uh electricity is going to the component like the motor or whatever so there's a so there's a you want to defer to to expertise you know sean i'm interested with the view of um you know you have done some stuff that i might normally defer to expertise but also with the the home and and someone fixing stuff in your apartment you have lived in an apartment before that had a lot of issues and sometimes you can't defer to expertise you almost have to tinker out of necessity well, uh, so <laughs> I think the the problem the problem You're that I had in my apartment <laughs> was something that I very much could not fix on my own because I don't have a knowledge of antique steam radiators. Uh, so that very much required someone to come and fix it. 
uh, because I don't have, you know, I don't have professional like HVAC tools and Mm -hmm. I have no expertise with those sorts of systems. Um, But I, I have in the past, I replaced, I replaced the speakers in my car, uh, which was a fairly involved process that involves like taking the door panels off and, you know, rooting around to find wires that are connected and like, drawing little diagrams for myself to make sure that I reconnected everything correctly so I didn't have to take the fucking door apart again. Uh, and in in my case, even drilling screw holes for aftermarket speakers because, the, you know, the factory ones were designed in such a way that they didn't require any, uh, like, support screws. So, like, I, I've done what I would classify as some pretty hardcore tinkering. I fucked the doors of my car up. So like the panel that the you know the window controls on my driver's side and my passenger side are are broken and just kind of loose, uh, so it wasn't perfect, but I you know I also think that it's important to remember that you know you did find a middle ground with your coffee grinder, you didn't say yeah. it's broken so I got to get a new grinder, you still mm-hmm. I, I think that. You know, you, you very much still followed the ethos of repair, don't replace. Yeah. You know, there's no, there's no shame in, uh, there's no shame in not having fixed it yourself. It it would be, it would perhaps be irrational to expect in 2020 that you, uh, a modern digital economy worker, would have any fucking clue how to fix a coffee grinder, no yes. matter how many. <laughs> pdf diagrams they provide on their website so you know there there's there's an irony there in that you know as, as a date hey it's sean uh, at this point in the original recording we had an issue with uh pierce's computer so we had to break and do a little tech support a little tinkering if you will uh to get us back into the flow so that explains why he comes kind of back in uh the way that he does uh, so, Sean, you were you were saying uh, about I think um, you, you know I did I did things in in the spirit of, of trying to replace and and I think there was some guilt on my part and a lot of it comes from just this um, mindset now of of like okay if you have a gadget that breaks if it's your phone if it's your computer screen something like that you you kind of say okay how long can I last till I need to replace it. Um, there's there's not really a thought of oh let me go to that I fix it or whatever screen repair store because a lot of people will say oh this you know it it doesn't function quite as well and I I think there instead of you know this this coffee grinder which is there's there's no software involved it's just all hardware and and most of the other gadgets we have including cars right now there's a lot of software involved and in, in screens and uh, computer components. Um, you know, with something that is just hardware, you you can replace or, or, or excuse me, you can repair, you can tinker with it in a way that you know I can't really take the back off of my phone and replace your battery. That so that's not true. That's not true at all. You absolutely can do that, but there there is there's value in understanding. Well, so. Part of what that is is that Apple is marketing you, is selling you on the idea that you can't fix these things yourselves. 
you can't Correct. replace them and so you must replace you can't repair them so you must replace them if something breaks mm-hmm. and the truth is uh the four of us maybe are not equipped to like replace an lcd screen necessarily but i also like on my last computer i replaced both the battery and the hard drive which are two things that they they very much suggest that you can't really do on your own and it just it took a little bit of you know it took a little bit of internet research to to make sure that i understood the steps to take and then getting some you know some hardware like i had to get a replacement battery and you know apple is a pain in the ass so you have to get like a special little screwdriver but you know i i think that even in things you know even in things that we think of as mostly software based like they're they're powered by hardware in some form or fashion and so like it is possible to repair some of that hardware and like it was very gratifying to have have done that and and kind of resurrected my old computer for an extra year before i replaced it i mean that was great i mean and and also you know i think there's i think there's a scale to this too like even even the level of tinkering of like putting together a piece of ikea furniture feels really good when you've finished it if you've done it right like that's great the feeling of like uh, you know the counter tightening where you you're like kind of assembling a bookshelf and you got to screw a corner piece together with the two you know the two pieces and feeling it like lock up to know that you've done it right it to my mind is the greatest feeling i've ever had in my entire life so like i I think that you know i think that as i think that as our economy has shifted from you know manufacturing and agriculture as it's shifted to the service industry as it's shifted to more kind of digitally focused work like we have lost a lot of the tangible feelings of the stuff that we fix. Um, but you know, don't, don't let yourself be sold a bill of goods that that means that you're not capable of fixing stuff. It mostly just takes a little bit of time and willingness to maybe get some small tools if you need it. Yeah. I think, I think the, the ethos that you're kind of thinking about, like the American tinker or whatever that came from a, a time where everything was tinkerable and i think now it's just it's difficult to know what is until you look into it uh, like as an example i wanted to do something fancy with a little kitchen scale i had a digital kitchen scale where i can maybe hook it up to something else and um so i t- but when i took it apart it was really just like a couple of wires that went to a tiny little microprocessor and it like if i try to do something in, in a previous era i would be able to see a different wire that goes to each of the different digital numbers or whatever that would control when that the different uh, numbers light up but now it's kind of just a couple of wires and a microprocessor uh, and so i can hope when i open something that i can do something with it but sometimes when you do it's just it's not possible. Then on the flip side, if I think about like working on a car, um, you know, until I go and look, I don't realize how easy it is to 
do something like replace a rear light, you know, it might seem complicated, but for something like that, it's really just replacing the light bulb like you do with anything else. Mm. Yeah, Max, it, you were going to say. Be. Yeah, well, I think I think there is a point to. I, I think you're you're talking about Apple and what they did for computers and phones and it like for a while I feel like people thought oh an Apple computer you can't touch that I'm not going to go inside my Apple computer but a lot of people that have PCs still do that if, if you hear if you hear about someone building their own PC they're um, you know they're building a PC probably they're not building a Mac um, and I think a lot of companies have kind of taken that and especially you mentioned car companies and car companies are doing that too where they're making it almost proprietary knowledge that that is required to fix them um, so I, I, I would think as you get into these different niche brands, I bet if you drove a, a Tesla and you took it to your, you know, regular mechanic down the street, it gets harder and harder for them to repair and replace that. Yeah. And I think a lot of that is driven by some of it is marketing like, oh, no, don't touch the inside of our stuff. And, and some of it, like Kevin said, is just that it's so much more of it is pushed to not maybe is it I don't know if you call it software or. Well, yeah, there wasn't an on, there wasn't an onboard computer in a '69 GTO. Yeah, I, I mean, and on that point, uh, they uh, when there were I, I think when there was a hurricane, you know, a natural disaster in the last couple of years, uh, Tesla mentioned that you know in Florida, Teslas were they were automatically updating them so that they could get more out of their battery um, because normally it's it's somehow. Uh, it's governored uh, such that you can only go so far on the battery. That, that didn't that didn't exist. But a lot of it, I think, is marketing because you know you have this interplay of hardware and software. And with Apple, and, and I'm sure other companies do it too. I don't want to pile on them, you know, because Apple's listening. Um, uh, you know, it's this. Okay, well, if you've got an older hardware device, this new software isn't going to work as well. Um, but we're keeping you in mind, so we're going to throttle down your performance. It's this interplay, and to get there are two things you're trying to get the best of. It's the software, um, and then there's also the hardware. I want the nicer camera, but I also need the software that allows me to take pictures at night, um, or or to enhance the pictures I take at night. And I, a lot of that is marketing. My my phone will probably be wonderful in two years just as it is now even though it will be five years old by that point um so i mean yeah i think part of it is we're we're buying into it um but at the same time uh, you know kevin you mentioned a time when everything was tinkerable but like uh, you know sean uh, we kind of mentioned this before but is that is that just a, a mythic thing that that we've made up you know you could go and tinker with your your lawnmower or your your oven but I, I don't know if that's was ever really true maybe it was with your car but yeah of course it was true i mean it's 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 silly to think that it's not true I mean, that would be very short-sighted that's like people who talk now about beyonce being a, a bigger deal than michael jordan <laughs> uh, that is just wrong that's that's something that you'd only say if you were like 19 years old in 2020 um, but I, I think that it's also, it's, it's part shift in the economy. It's part that, um, you know, uh, there's just like values have changed. And, and one of the things that, uh, even like, even in things that get manufactured, one of the things that has changed is that a lot of things get much cheaper and lower quality so there's like not like if you buy 
a pair of, you know, jeans from H&M that cost like $16, there is no sense in the damn world in trying to repair those. It was just, it would be, it would be really stupid uh, because the, you know, the value that you get out of having fixed it is, is probably not equal to the cost of just replacing it. Um, but at, on the flip side of that, if you had like, you know, expensive uh, heritage denim, uh, raw de- whatever the fuck they call fancy jeans now, um, mm-hmm. actually not even not even fancy jeans because there there's an element to that of like, well, I have the disposable income to buy a, another pair of these to replace. But like, if you had kind of nice like made in the USA like you might be more inclined to figure like take them to a tailor like I had a pair of jeans that I took to a tailor because there was a hole and I was like I'm not ready to part with these yet can can you can you you fix it for me and they did it took them like three days and sixteen dollars and I had a pair of jeans with the hole patched up it was great yeah and that that leads to almost a, a a question with this is it's like okay with and not to get too off topic but with this repairing versus replacing it's like well you're always going to be wanting to repair something if the value you you value of that object um you know if if the repair of it is is still adding in the cost of the repair is still less than it would be to, to replace it. Like, I, I, I really like my coffee grinder. You really like your, your jeans. And replacing them might cost $150, but you're, you value them a lot. They're worn in. That's worth something, too. Right. Um, and so $16 is way less than it would be to replace that, which includes the time you'd have to do. Yeah, so what, what I'm getting at is, is that the other, the other thing that's changed is not just, like, how our economy is set up, but our relationship with stuff. Um, that having the ability to buy fast fashion pants has changed, uh, has absolutely has fundamentally changed like mm. our societal relationship with pants. And yeah. so it, it's degrading, you know, I, I mean, I, I think that this is on some level what someone like Marie Kondo gets at is like, you know, uh, maybe we talk about maybe the idea of like something, some inanimate object in your house sparking joy. Maybe that's kind of a silly idea or maybe it sounds like a silly idea at least. But like if you scratch under the surface, you know, there was a time where you couldn't get fast pants. You had to get, yeah. you know, maybe you could only get a pair of new pants one time a year. And yeah. so your relationship with that pair of pants is way different or your relationship and, with your car is way different or your coffee grinder. So all of those things have changed over time and, and a lot like our, our stuff is very devalued. Yeah. And, and Max, you know, Sean hit on it and, and I think you're the right person to ask when you got your car, you were in a very specific type of car in a pretty specific model year. And so what I'm thinking about what Sean's talking about, you know, fast fashion versus, you know, this heritage, which was an interesting word, but works really well here, is, you know, you are going to want to, your loyalty to that brand is going to be keeping this car and mending it for, for I guess, as, you know, as long as you can, because you're, you're really tied to that. 
I didn't like that face. I'm going to ignore it. Um, as opposed to, I think that I think of the Ford commercials for the F-150, which is the best-selling truck year after year. Their big thing is people have to keep buying that. They have to keep buying new ones as opposed to keeping one particular one they love for a long time. So, do you see that as like part of this is brand loyalty shifting? Like we want to replace, not repair. That's interesting. Um, yeah, I mean that definitely could be some of it. I've never really thought about it that way. Um, I mean, I definitely think that it, that's what you were talking about with with Apple too, right? Like they want you to replace your iPhone every what mm-hmm. year? Really, that's what they want. Yeah, yeah, but um, I th- the the thing with yeah. with car brands such as Ford or or Toyota and then new electronics with Apple that I think is that I mean they're when they're setting the price of their products, they're probably selling it cheaper than they could because they know people are going to upgrade them and get more more of yeah. them. And so when, you know, let's say something goes wrong with my Corolla and it costs $500 to fix. And, okay, well now instead of me being in a situation where it's like, oh, okay, I can go get a new Corolla for, uh, I don't know, 15000 or whatever, I can... Um, my my new option is oh I could now fix the car, which would yeah. cost five hundred dollars, or I could like it takes five hundred dollars off the price tag of the new one because yeah. you can then also like trade in your old one. So I I'm just guessing that they can like be, it's cheap to upgrade when there's something that is ubiquitous, and yeah. so it makes it more likely that you would just upgrade rather than... But even though it's ubiquitous... Oh, go ahead, Tron. But at the same time, what you just mentioned, like the Toyota Corolla Camry Honda Accord Civic class of vehicle is still very much marketed in such a way that one of their key selling points is your kids are going to drive this car. So, like, I, I don't... I, I don't... Why... I guess the question then is, like, why are pickup trucks different? You know, but uh, see, I I'll, well, pickup I'll, trucks I'll aren't usually aren't really a, <laughs> an economic decision for most people. I think, but man, I, we've talked before about how no more cars are being built in America, so it depends. But no, it, you know, Sean, I will quibble with that because one thing you're, I think you're right, and I bought an Accord kind of with that in mind. I'll have this forever mm-hmm. in a different way than than Max thought. I'll have this forever because Max feels a kinship to his car that. I feel a practical kinship to my car. It's different. But, um, you know, the commercials for uh, Corollas and Camrys and Civics and Accords, they still all say uh, one of the first things they'll say when they're talking about the, the model year or whatever is all new. It's the selling point of like, hey, this isn't last year's Civic. It's not the Civic you have. This is all new and i think that that is the whole thing of it's, you need a new one it's the new safe version the safer yeah, it's version. the new safe version even though it's still got the four cylinder it's still got the same number oh, wow. of airbags it's 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 you know you know in real terms probably the same i, I think that's how you're perceiving the marketing because i think you'd be you'd be silly or worse to hear the all new toyota camry and really and truly think Oh my God! Everything is different. Nothing is the same. That would be incredibly well, naive what is and all stupid. New? Do do words not matter anymore? They don't. No, of course they don't. 
we what what has a 220 episode podcast run taught us other than as much as we would like words to still mean things they don't yeah I, so so really I, to to circle back to the initial question of this podcast are you a failure for <laughs> sending your coffee grinder to to Barazza to have them fix it no of course you're not in fact you're probably doing better than most so yeah. you know uh, take take a little bit of joy in that but you know just just like a, a football player celebrating a big win just take 24 hours with it and then yeah. on to Cincinnati in the sense yeah. of look for places in your life where maybe you uh, don't think that way and and fi- I, w- I think it would be good you know to find opportunities in your life where you can tweak and fix something because i just like i know firsthand that you get that really rewarding feeling and and you know i I talked about how our our stuff is is really devalued having an active hand in putting your stuff together or fixing your stuff when it breaks can kind of help rewire that relationship a bit like i felt you know i I never really like feel a real kinship with my computer. Like it's a stupid thing to say, but you know, I definitely felt, I don't know, in a weird way, I felt more like I owned my computer after I had replaced the hard drive and the battery than I did yeah. when I just <clears throat> bought it from the Apple store and had some person with a name tag on ask yeah. me if I wanted them to show me how to work it. And, and I know that three of the four of us have, have, and you know, Kevin, you're not one of the four, but, you know, you're certainly aware of this and, and are helpful in this regard. Uh, you know, all of us have been involved in setting up sound systems, like, you know, our, our mm-hmm. audio, our, our stereo systems. And I think we all got a lot of joy about that. And I think that's kind of a classic thing, but it does bring you get the joy of the experience of using it. And then also realizing that, you know, you put those components together and had to consider, you know, where's the best place to listen to and what I'm going right. to buy? How do I build this thing? I even had, I actually had, I like bought an uh, analog amp from the 80s um, mm-hmm. that I, I really enjoyed. And one of the channels was kind of on the fritz and I took it to get fixed in Charlottesville. I even, I even talked about it was a, a big idea yeah. one week. Uh, and so I was really happy about that. And unfortunately, it bit the dust again this time <laughs> for like for, for real. real. Uh, so I had to replace it, but, uh, you know, I think that, I think that, I think that the real thing to, to think about out of this is your relationship with your stuff and it's good to have stuff in your life sometimes that is low value and it's low friction. If you just, if you need to toss it and replace it with something new, but it's also really good to have stuff in your life that's important and valuable enough to you not just in terms of its cash value but in in terms of some other sort of you know some sort of other value that it provides you that you would be willing to take some time to figure out how to fix it if it broke you know yeah and i would say pierce that you have you've met the bar of um replacing your uh, air filter in your car and I think that that is, Woo. if you can do air, both air filters, yes. the cabin one and the, the engine one and the cabin one. 
that is the the DIY bar. That's that a good way to save hundred dollars. Doing that, it, it'll save you one hundred dollars. I found a YouTube video on how to do it on my car, and it says it takes like six hours. So no thanks. <laughs> okay. Well, okay, you should just you should just you throw out your take car. the entire car apart. That's <laughs> what I was talking about it's... earlier with like proprietary stuff like that. <laughs> scratch that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely scratch that. Uh, yeah, so, okay, uh, let's move on to Pierce's Sorry. Uh, what are you apologizing for today? So this one, uh, Sean, I think you will you will appreciate. Um, <clears throat> let me read from an article from Slate. On oh Friday, The Verge reported that Microsoft had started updating Microsoft Word to flag two spaces after a period as an error. The suggested correction goes without saying. Microsoft is currently testing the update on the latest desktop version of Word and plans to roll out the change to everyone in the next few months. Luckily for double spacers, the editor feature in Word will allow users to dismiss the suggestion. Um, so I saw that, and um, it is something that I have fixed over the, the last couple of years. Um, and so I'm not apologizing for doing the double spacing because I, I, I fixed it. I, I fixed it on my own. I realized it was weird. It's kind of, it, it feels weird as you're looking at other things and then you can see it. It's not matching, especially now in a world where it's a lot of emails and everything else. And not, not that I'm like an efficiency hawk, but like it does take extra time to, you know, double space it. What I'm really apologizing for is, is the source of this and not as someone who wasn't a computer, uh, very computer literate until honestly like college. Um, I realized the source of this problem is uh, – and what I'm apologizing for is I basically learned word processing via WordPerfect. Why that was used in my home, I don't know. I think because I had a parent who worked for the government. But um, I'm sorry for for learning via WordPerfect because I think that was the, the the you know be it a lack of computer literacy and everything else. But I think it starts with my WordPerfect usage. So um, fortunately, I don't think WordPerfect exists anymore. I think you we're all wrong using about that. Oh well, you know, eighty eighty five percent of people, if not higher, are using uh, Microsoft Word or. Uh, you know, pages or, uh, you know, Google Docs at this point. So I'm sure it's a very, very small subset, <laughs> but it'll steer you wrong and uh, you'll have to apologize for doing double spacing later on in life. Well, I appreciate this apology. I will say that I still, as a reflex, every time you send me something you've written, the first thing I do is find and replace period space space with period space. <laughs> <laughs> Literally before I read it. It is the very first thing that I do. Uh, and it, 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 st- it start. That's where it started. That's where it started. Humble beginnings of WordPerfect. Uh, but, but yeah, that is, uh, I, I saw that too. I thought of you. Uh, okay. Well, we'll close the show as we do with a big idea from pop culture. Um, and what am I going to talk about today? I think I'm going to talk about uh, yet another uh truly unhealthily fast TV binge that I went on in the last uh, week or so. And that is to say that I watched the entirety of the first three seasons of The Wire in about <laughs> five days. Mm. Um, I don't know that I recommend that particular approach to anyone. It involved not nearly enough sleep uh, and, and way too much time spent parked in front of 
a TV, like, leaving an imprint on the couch from sitting in the same place for six hours. Um, but if you're going to do that, there's hardly a better television program for you to do it with than The Wire. Um, and the first three seasons, I think in a lot of ways, are a really... Like, they could stand on their own as the whole run of the show. The, now, the fourth season is great, and the fifth season... Yeah, bad stuff happens to kids. I don't... The, I'm not I, here well, for that. Yeah, well, I, great in the sense that it is... Oh, I, I agree 13 with you. I hours mean... of feeling like you've been hit in the ribs with a baseball bat over and over again. Sure. Um, but in that way, it is great. And the fifth season, while it gets a lot of deserved flack for being the worst season of The Wire does still at least tie up loose ends and, and wrap up a lot of the storylines that have been explored previously. Uh, the first three seasons are really the story of uh, it, kind of everything involving the Barksdale uh, you know, crime empire drug empire in Baltimore and so in that way I kind of feel like I watched a 35 36 hour movie uh, hmm. that was magical so uh, you also apparently can watch it for free on HBO right now uh, so that's a neat thing too if you haven't seen the wire I think it before, might be on Hulu you as actually well. have a way to go check it out um, HBO put Sopranos and a few of their I, I major do, shows I do recall on seeing for free. Amazon, some partnership. Check it out. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, just you know, there are some really iconic characters. You know, Avon Barksdale and Stringer Bell are just they're they're fascinating and and they're really, you know, it's an it's an incredibly done TV show that is frequently punishing it is not rewarding to watch uh, no. in terms of any kind of happiness but but if you listen to this good. and you and you haven't listened and you haven't watched it you probably watch breaking bad so like it's slightly warmer than most of breaking <laughs> bad <laughs> it's maybe i don't know it, it's pretty existentially grim <laughs> there's a pandemic going on come on it'll be fine all right fair enough uh so yeah so the the wire especially the first three seasons uh are are very good and and you should go watch them if you haven't you should probably go watch them if you have too uh you know that's that's a show that i have found holds up really well on rewatches so uh that's that's enough of me talking about the wire that is the end of the show you can find us on facebook or twitter at pretty okay pod or at our home on the web www.prettyokpod.com you can subscribe to the podcast feed on your device and app of choice uh, if you do that please leave a rating review comment that sort of thing or just tell a friend about the show we'd love to share it with them as well we'll be back again next week to talk about something else until then i'm sean I'm Pierce. I'm Matt. I'm Kevin. Thanks for listening. Bye.